Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. This is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email X-Zone at XZoneRadioTV.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at Hotmail.com. And our website, www.XZoneRadioTV.com. We're going to be talking today about the Columbine uh, shootings. We're also going to be talking about other mass shootings in the United States and around the world. And my guest this hour is Jeff Cass. And uh, when people think of school shootings, uh, they, they think that they're random, unpredictable events, but not according to our guest this hour, Jeff Cass, who says there are patterns to the violence and, more importantly, ways to prevent it. Jeff was one of the first reporters on the scene of the Columbine incident going back to April the 20th of 1999. And his uh, definitive book, Columbine, A True Crime Story, is the result of 10 years of research. Jeff Cass has been a reporter for the Rocky Mountain News and the Los Angeles Times and a regular contributor to U.S. News and World Report, the Boston Globe, Christian Science Monitor, and Newsday. He's appeared on CNN, Court TV, MSNBC, NBC, Fox News, and radio stations. Yeah, he also has a blog that he writes about. We're going to be talking about that a little later on. And uh, Jeff, thanks very much for joining us. And and just as you and I were both getting ready to to do this uh, this interview, there was another mass shooting in Texas. What is going on in the world today, Jeff? Well, you know, I think there is a copycat effect. I hate to say it, mm-hmm. but these shooters do build upon each other to some degree. And um, I think they all you know, have individual problems. There are common denominators, but, you know, nobody's exactly the same. But these different people see the same solution to their problems, which is a mass shooting. Jeff, how much does the amount of media play that these shootings uh, have in the in the copycat scenario? You know, like I'm saying, the, the media, w- well, the media would feed into the copycat issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely expands the reach of what happens but, um, you know, I think the hatred and the issues that these shooters have are so fundamental. Um, it's not just like they're going to go away and have great lives. 
if they don't hear about a school shooting. I mean, mm-hmm. they have deep fundamental problems, and they're looking for a way to solve them. Uh, but the amount of coverage that is given to these copycat murders and these mur- these copycat cases, does this actually fuel the fire that is instilled within the person who is going to be a, a potential copycat, and does this kind of get them going because they too want their 10 or 15, 20 minutes of fame? You know, I don't think it's a fame issue, though. Um, I think it's more revenge. These people are angry at particular individuals mm-hmm. or at society as a whole for doing them wrong, not giving them enough respect. So that's the real motivation here is vengeance. Jeff, uh, how did you become uh, one of the main reporters on the Columbine shootings? Well, I was one of the first reporters on scene to cover it, um, which, you know, in those days, if you were a reporter in Denver, Mm -hmm. you were covering Columbine. So it was just about everybody in the area. Um, But, you know, a lot of reporters didn't want to keep covering it after the first month or so, and I felt there were still unanswered questions, and that's what kept me going. In your mind, in your opinion, what was the number one unanswered question of the time? Why were school shootings suddenly occurring as a trend across the country? Why were there more school shootings than ever? What was going on? While Columbine is... I would say still the world's most iconic school shooting mm-hmm. and the one we all think of when we think of these mass shootings. Um, you had had others before that, and I thought, something is going on here. Why is this trend occurring? All right, uh, Jeff, you and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Exonation, our special guest this hour is Jeff Cass. And we're talking to, about Jeff's new book, Columbine, a true crime story. His website is www.jeffcassauthor.com. That's J-E-F-F-K-A-S-S, author.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with yours truly from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, our email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Exonation, uh, Jeff Cass is our special guest. He is the author of Columbine, a true crime story. His website is Author. Dot com. Jeff, why did you decide to write the book Columbine, A True Crime Story? Well, I felt that after reporters really from all over the world started leaving um, after that first month or so mm-hmm. following the shootings, I felt that there was still information I could get that other people were not getting. We didn't have a full enough picture of the killers themselves or their families. 
And um, as I mentioned before, I felt nobody was exploring why these school shootings were occurring across the country with increased frequency. What have we learned since Columbine? Well, I think we've learned to take warning signs more seriously. Um, For example, there was a particularly violent and bloody essay that one of the Columbine killers turned into class two months before the shootings. Mm -hmm. And the teacher actually flagged it, actually talked to Bill and Klebold's parents, but, you know, after the shootings, lawsuits were filed and people clammed up, and it's not really clear the full extent um, how much this teacher pursued this essay and her concerns about it. But as far as what we've learned, for example, I don't think an essay like the one Dylan Klebold turned in before Columbine would be left alone. Again, I think whoever got a hold of that essay in this day and age, whether it's a teacher, a classmate, a parent, a school official, a police officer, I think they would pursue it much further, uh, more to the ends of the earth than before Columbine. What do you think some of the signs are that parents and teachers should look for, or that would be actions being taken by the the youth of today that would deserve immediate attention? Well, you know, it's like the essay I just mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. When somebody turns in an essay about somebody who, in this case, actually looked like the Columbine killer, was the same height, dressed like him, was left-handed, just like Dylan Klebold was, um, and methodically kills preps, for no real apparent reason. You know, when you see stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you should do something. Um, And in the case of the Aurora shooting we have now in Colorado, apparently the suspect bought 6,000 rounds of ammunition uh, around the two months prior to the shootings. And I don't, I haven't seen yet that he had any history of being a hunter, you know, of, you know, being interested in guns as a hobby before this. So when somebody does something like that with no history and, you know, suddenly buys 6,000 rounds of ammunition, maybe something's going on there. But according to the ATF, there are no ways of tracking these uh, these uh, these ammunition purchases that are made online. Uh, all the weapons that he purchased were legal purchases. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, and that's why it's up mm-hmm. to people like you and me and parents and friends and teachers um, to do something, I, you know, I guess the ATF conceivably could track every bullet bought or, you know, but these would be like, uh, you know, this would have to have some sort of complete surveillance over society to do this. It, it just would not be a reality. So, yeah, it's up to people like you and I who see something that is out of the ordinary, unusually violent, very odd to us to do something or say something. Then we let's uh, let's go to the other side of the coin with what happened in Wisconsin, and that was that was a, a hate crime. The uh, perpetrator deliberately sought out the Sikh or the Sheikh uh, community. It was only it only opened fire on Sheikhs that had beards and turbans. So, are these just some of the things that we can expect more of in the future, where white supremacists are going to say, "Hey, enough is enough," and they're going to flex their muscle? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's possible if there is this copycat effect that um, white supremacists may feel more emboldened mm-hmm. 
because of what school shooters and other mass shooters are doing. Um, I think the white supremacist hatred has always been there. Uh, that's nothing new, but they may they may feel more emboldened. How about gun control? What are your views on gun control? Well, the the thing is, I, I'm not. That's not going to solve the problem. Um, as we touched upon a bit, m- many times these guns are obtained legally, or they're taken from like in the case of the the kids, this, the teenage school shooters. They get them from a parent's home. They get them from a relative's home, from a neighbor's home. They take them from the garage or, you know, even the the locked safe or the locked cabinet. Um, so I think these shooters are very determined. I think they're usually pretty smart, and they're going to find a way. So I don't think that's the best avenue. And yet countries with gun control have a significant lower amount of homicides caused by guns than, than the United States does. They do. Um, but again, I don't think gun control is the only issue. And for example, there was a great story in the New York times. It was about one year ago and I blogged about it. Apparently there are these attacks on schoolyards in China against school children. Hmm. And in China, it is near impossible to get a gun if you're a private citizen. So these attacks are occurring on children with knives with uh, sort of blunt force weapons, mm-hmm. baseball bat type things, these people are going to find a way. Um, and we do have these mass shootings in other countries where we see these determined shooters. Norway, yes, which was, I believe it's 77 killed. That's right. Um, we had Winnenden, Germany. That was about three years ago. There were many people killed in that. And, you know, both these countries have much stricter gun control than the United States. So do, do we, do, is, there, is there a connection between schoolyard bullying and the, the increase in gun crimes or crimes within the school itself? It, what's the, what, is at the, what is at the core of the problem here? Well, I don't think the bullying helps. Um, you know, interestingly enough, actually, the Columbine killers never mentioned hmm. the word bullying in any of their diaries or the videotapes that have been released. But there's many accounts of other students saying they were bullied and that bullying went on to a large degree at Columbine High School. I don't think in this case, in Columbine, it was the root cause. But it, it's an aggravating factor. It doesn't help things that Do they were also bullied by many accounts. Is there any specific demographic or geographic location where these uh, shootings take more uh, are more frequent than other parts, or is it scattered throughout the map? Well, with the school shootings, it definitely has occurred more frequently in the South and the West mm-hmm. of the United States. So people are going to say, well, what the heck is going on there? There's a long-standing tradition. It's called the culture of honor, and it's this sort of chivalrous knighthood tradition of I need to defend my honor. And if you do not respect me, if you do not um, show the respect I feel I deserve, I, can re- I feel it's okay to retaliate with violence. Where did, they, where did they get this concept from? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a concept that, that has actually been studied by psychologists, apart from school shootings and even before school shootings were occurring, 
psychologists pinpointed this issue, and what they say is because the south of the United States mm -hmm. was more settled by landed gentry, um, by elites who felt it's very important to preserve your honor, um, to stand up for your family, to stand up for your, yourself, this tradition has been passed down throughout families. Hey, you need to defend your honor. You need to defend the family's honor. Um, and another really interesting twist or, or reason for this is they say the South and the West was, um, there were a lot of settlers there who were herders, and they'll say even namely pig herders. And when you, you are a herder, you must defend your animals with violence against any outside threats because that's your livelihood. So how does this spill over into into human beings? Yeah, yeah. So, well, the, uh, these are human beings who are protecting their herd, oh, right. who are protecting their honor. I, under, I understand um, that, but how does this turn, you know, how does this spill over into, into mass shootings and, and mass violence? Sure, sure. So what I believe is that school shooters in the South and the West are kids who feel their honor has been violated because they have not been recognized as a popular kid. They haven't been recognized by girls who want to date them. They don't have enough friends. Um, they don't have enough respect on the schoolyard, and they feel it's an issue of defending their honor. Hey, you guys didn't give me enough respect. Mm -hmm. I'm going to retaliate against you. What were the home, -like, home lives of these uh, Columbine shooters? Was there, were they dysfunctional families? Not, not on the surface, not from what we know um, for the most part. They were both two-parent families, no divorces. So, you know, middle to upper middle class, no, no extreme poverty or anything like that. Um, you know, there were, in the case of the Klebolds, her, his, his mom, sorry, has, had made some indications to police that her son was into violent military type things. He had a tough look. He liked this look. You know, she's indicated there were some clues that he was trying to promote his toughness, be a tough guy, so to speak. Um, Eric Harris's dad was in the military, but, you know, they don't seem to be overly violent mm -hmm. or, you know, extreme families in any general sense wasn't there it wasn't there a sort of connection to the goth community with the columbine killers you know not really that was probably overblown and incorrect in the beginning um they did wear trench coats mm -hmm. to school but it was more because there was a clique known as the trench coat mafia and they were rebels they were just rebels that's what they stood for being anti-establishment sort of fighting back at the popular people, fighting back, whether it was, you know, actual physical fighting or just sort of saying, hey, I'm going to stand up to the popular kids. I'm going to stand up to the teachers. I'm not going to do what they say or, you know, I'm not going to follow all the rules. Mm -hmm. These guys wore trench coats. And really, it started because one of the kids got a gift of a trench coat for, you know, like Christmas or his birthday. Jeff, stand by. You and I have to take our commercial break. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Exxon Nation, Jeff Cass is our special guest. He's the author of a great book, Columbine, a true crime story, www.jeffcassauthor.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break.
in about five minutes from now. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. This just in from our newsroom. Police took a man into custody on Monday, August the 13th, after multiple people were shot near Texas A&M University, a police official said. Early reports told of someone using automatic weapons shooting people from a residence. Local news station KBATX is reporting multiple casualties are involved. Several law enforcement officers were among the people shot. Rhonda Seaton of the College Station Police Department told CNN she doesn't have information on how many people were shot or their conditions. As she said, a person identified as the gunman was in custody. The shooting happened about one block away from the campus, Seaton said. The university had warned people to stay away from the intersection of Wellborn Road and George Bush Drive as well as uh, part of Fidelity in College Station, Texas. The crime scene is near the football stadium, Kyle Field. College Station and Texas A&M University drew national attention tragically when 12 people were killed and 27 injured uh, when the Aggie bonfire collapsed while being constructed in 1999. And that's from our newsroom and our good friends at CNN. My guest this hour, ironically or coincidentally, is Jeff Cash. He is the author of Columbine, A True Crime Story. His website is www.jeffcassauthor.com. And Jeff, once again, welcome back. I thank you very much for being with us today. Um, when we look at all the different mass shooters, is there any one string that we can tie them all together with besides the fact that they were basically rejects? Um, well, they're, or they feel, yeah, they feel they've been rejected. Yeah. Um, 
they, you know, they may have friends and stuff, but it's just, it's the sort of lowest rung of the social ladder, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, they want vengeance. They're, they're angry and they want vengeance against people who they think have wronged them or, you know, for people, whatever reason they feel they they have been wronged. I don't know, but, you know, it's a perception mm-hmm. that the world or certain people are against them. But when we look at the, the the victims of these shootings, you know, if they want vengeance, why wouldn't they target their 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 victims more selectively instead of people who are basically innocent bystanders? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it comes to me that the whole world is against them. Mm. And, you know, the whole world or, you know, society, I know it's such a vague, cliche term, but, you know, they feel society is against them. So society becomes everybody in that Batman movie theater. In, in, you know, I, I'm sorry, uh, Jeff, when you were writing your book, Columbine, A True Crime Story, was there anything that you discovered in your research that, that sent you for a loop? Um, one of the things that did send me was when I got, for example, Ellen Kleebold's college essay, in which I was the only person to obtain that. Um, he applied to college and accepted to University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. They even picked that out of the dorm room. I was surprised at how much they could also hide their anger and seem so normal. There were definitely signs, as we've talked about. Yeah. There are plenty of signs. But like at the same time that Dylan was turning in that extremely bloody and violent class essay, mm-hmm. he was writing an essay a college application essay saying, hey, I'm a great guy. I want to study computer science. You know, he said, I've been through some, I've had some troubles, but I'm on the right track now. I want to improve my life. And just sort of that duality sounds is like, what struck me. Sounds like a bit of a multiple personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, it, it does yeah. in a way. Um, although they haven't been died. The Columbine killers were not diagnosed with that. I think it's more, you know, being able to hide their their true feelings. What do you think educators could do because to, I mean, besides you know getting getting more involved and uh, making sure that if a teacher raises a, a flag based on something that a student has turned into her, what can educators do more to protect the kids, the innocent kids that seem to be victimized? Uh, once again, as we are seeing now in, in Texas, by these shooters on campus. Well, I mean, there, th- that's the key thing, is to recognize the warning signs before they happen mm-hmm. and um, tell somebody, you know, pursue it. There are certain procedures, you know, um, that schools will go over, such as, you know, evacuation drills, the same way people drill for a hurricane yeah. or an earthquake, Um know where the emergency exits are, uh, you know, listen for the codes or have codes in place at your school that will go over the intercom. Um, if there's a shooter found in the school, know how to evacuate or barricade the classroom if you have to. Um, you know, sadly, be prepared to defend yourself to some degree. What steps do you think law enforcement should take? Should we have more metal detectors in schools? Should we have more policing within the schools? You know, I don't think metal detectors are going to do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you take the scenario of the Columbine killers, um, and they, you know, 
stood on a hill just outside the school, and they charged down into the school with their guns. I mean, metal detectors aren't going to do anything, just like in Aurora, you know. Um, he, the guy went out a back door, came back in, had exactly. his guns, and, you know, a metal detector isn't going to do it. The police have made changes, though, um, and they seem to be the right changes, which is, for example, when Columbine occurred, the idea was when you have shooters inside a location like a school, you surround the, the place, you make a perimeter, and you wait for the police psychologist or the FBI guy to come in and you talk the person out. It, that's the traditional way of looking at these things before Columbine. And a, a good analogy is the way we used to deal with terrorists mm -hmm. on airplanes. The idea was, okay, this guy is going to land the airplane in, you know, Cuba or something or Libya, take hostages, ask for a ransom, and then give up the hostages once they get money or once they can fly the plane to another country, and they're done. They're not going to kill anyone. We've learned from school shootings, these people don't want hostages. They will possibly kill as many people as they can before they're stopped. So police now are trained to go in after the shooting. Don't do a perimeter. Right. Don't try and talk them out. Go in if you can. I mean, if you only have a handgun on you, that would be foolish. But if you have a shotgun or some sort of automatic weapon in your police car and you have another officer who can accompany you, go. So that is being, that has been done. It's called the active shooter protocol. And it's the new training. It's the default training for these situations. What would you like readers to come out with after reading your book? I'd like them to see the patterns, why these are occurring, and also suburbs and small towns um, where kids can feel really alienated, um, that they're occurring in the south and the west of the United States, and also that they can do something. You know, if you see these warning signs, if something, you know, Grabs, grabs you as wrong or unusually violent, you should say something to somebody. You should do something. What have been the reviews on your book? Uh, any of the people who were involved in the Columbine shooting read your book? And if so, what have the, their comments been? I think they say it's been the most accurate book out there on what happened at Columbine. And, um, you know, there, there are... What I portrayed is how it happened mm -hmm. at Columbine. What was the hardest part about writing this book? Um, probably thinking about the pain that the victims had to go through. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who didn't want to talk, and whenever people yell at you mm -hmm. or threaten to sue you as a reporter or slam the door in your face, um, that's certainly bothersome, but, you know, it's really nothing compared to thinking about not only what the victims and the victims' families had to go through at Columbine, but I think it's, it was exacerbated because they had to do it all in public. You know, it, it's one thing to have your child shot and killed at school where you expected them to be perfectly safe, but then, you know, to have the media asking you about it... Um, I imagine that adds another degree of difficulty. It seems at times the media 
goes after the goriest stories with the most vengeance. After all, if you yourself being in the media know, especially in print, if it if it bleeds, it leads. Should the media, under certain circumstances, back off? Well, I, yeah, in, in some stories, yes. But, um, I mean, not in these mass shootings. We can't ignore them either. And if we ignore them, we're never going to learn anything from them. Yeah, so I, I, I think. My go on, sir. I, I think there probably is, you know, maybe when we continuously cover, you know, car crashes mm-hmm. or random bar fights. When yeah, when we're doing too much violent coverage, it's not good. But I don't think we can ignore the big stories. The internet has that been used by mass shooters as a way of gaining notoriety, or is it just another form of multimedia now? Um, I, you know, the they looked up, like in the case of the Virginia Tech, tech shooter, uh-huh. um, he had looked up the uh, Columbine shootings and, you know, ha- had some stuff about them, and I, I believe he mentioned them in his one of his videotapes that he had mailed out to the media, actually. And then there was another shooter in Arvada, Colorado, um, that most of us have probably forgotten about, but he went to a church and shot and killed some people, actually, in Colorado Springs. And he had looked at, I think he had stuff on his computer regarding the Columbine killers. Hmm. Um, they do look to them. I mean, it's hard to deny that there's any, there's no copycat effect, but... I think, you know, again, they want vengeance. They're angry at people. I don't think they necessarily want fame. They want to get back at people. But if they want to get back at people, uh, as you've said before, why don't they get back at the people that are causing them all this this anger, all this hatred, instead of John Q. Public? That's what I can't understand. Yeah. Well, again, to them... The whole world is against them. If you're an outcast, um, if you don't have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. if you can't find friends, um, you know, if you can't get a date to the prom, everyone is against you. You know, it's not just the girl who said no. You know, it's not just the guy who wouldn't hang out with you and be your friend, but they feel that this is symptomatic of all the whole world being against them. All right, but if if this is the case, and if this is how they feel, the whole world is against them, wouldn't there be something at home that mom or dad should be able to clue into that something is not right with their son or their daughter, that they need to spend more time and attention on this child, and if necessary, get the child to the proper help? You would think. You would think, but, you know, in the case of the Columbine killers, nobody was ever prosecuted as, as being an accomplice to them or knowing about their plans. And um, there's no indication in their diaries or their videos that they told anyone. Uh, they kept it secret. But that you know? doesn't... And I think... Yeah. But if I'm not mistaken, that doesn't match the profile of the other mass shooters. In the sense of that they, they dropped clues? Well, that they were so secretive. Oh, well, I mean, look at Holmes in Aurora, James Holmes. I mean, I don't know that he told anybody about his plans either. And I think you also have the situation here 
where it's sort of a vicious circle because these people get angry and frustrated because they're isolated from society. And then when you are isolated, you have so many fewer people left to notice the warning signs. True. Very true. You and I uh, have to take our final break for this hour. Jeff, thanks very much for joining us. Great talking to you. Exo Nation, Jeff Cass is our special guest. He's the author of Columbine, a true crime story. His website is www.jeffcassauthor.com. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. When we come back, I'll see if the newsroom has an update for me on the shooting in Texas. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. I'll be back with Jeff Cass on the other side of this break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. Jeff Cass is our special guest this hour. He is the author of Columbine, a true crime story. His website is www.jeffcassauthor.com. That's www.jeffcassauthor.com. And just for the latest uh, on the update of the Texas shooting, police took a man into custody Monday afternoon after multiple people were shot near Texas A&M University, a police official said. Several law enforcement officers were among the people shot. Rhonda Seaton of the College Staten Policeman Department told CNN she didn't have any information on how many people were shot or their conditions. Once again, this is the, uh, let me see, um, this is an incident that is happening as we're talking right now. A, custo- a, um, a suspect has been taken into custody and there were several people shot. Conditions unknown at this time near Texas A&M University. So here we go again, Jeff, another shooting. Uh, You and I have been talking about Columbine. We were talking about uh, Aurora. We were talking about uh, the the temple in, uh, where was it, Wisconsin. And bang, here we've got another one. And and it seems to be, like, it's just not in the United States, but it's also over the world. And, and you and I were talking also about the Schroeder in Norway. And apparently, a report just out says that officials could have stopped what happened in Norway. Uh, we don't have the total information on that report, but is the world going crazy? Uh, no, I don't think it's going crazy, but I think, um, you know, what the issue is, one of the things we're trying to get, you're trying to get at, is that, you know, why, why are these things occurring with mm-hmm. such frequency? And I think the idea is, is that the door has been opened to this as a possibility. I mean, 20 years ago, if you were an outsider, an outcast in high school or, you know, in your life in general... I just don't think a mass shooting was on your radar yeah. as a possible as a possible solution. And you know what happens is sadly the idea becomes 
a real possibility to people. Something like Columbine happens. It's cemented in the really the worldwide consciousness. And I think the, the term is it becomes the art of the possible. Somebody else has done it, and now it's possible. It's on your radar screen, and it becomes one of your solutions to your problems. Just getting news in here, Jeff, that uh, one officer and a civilian were killed in today's shooting. Yeah, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on your book, and I'd love to have the opportunity of speaking to you again in the future. Okay, thank you. Take care, Jeff. Exxon Nation, Jeff Cass has been our guest this hour. uh, www.jeffcassauthor.com Dot com. That's www.jeffcassauthor.com. He's the author of Columbine, A True Crime Story. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Wow, that was kind of loud. Woke me up. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, on MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website, exxonradiotv.com. Oh, boy. Thanks a lot, Craig. I needed that. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 